eyes out of the windows to the soul. You gotta learn how to draw your curtains. Hello, I am Daryl. And I am Petros. And welcome to episode two of Getting Defoe You, where from Heaven's Gate to the present day, join us as we get to know Willem Defoe in this dedicated Defoe podcast. So we're an episode down, Petros, and now here we are, episode two. Um, how how are you? How are you feeling? How's it all going? How's it been? It's been a week. I'm, I'm feeling well. We're over the hump of Heaven's Gate, and may, maybe the world is our oyster now. Maybe we'll 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 hit some heady highs and some heady lows. Who who who? Well, well, yeah, we'll find out with the film that we have today, which is tomorrow you're gone who 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 have we got to come chat about this film with us daryl well now with the the absolute everest of a film heaven's gate in the rearview mirror um as you said we move on to the width and breadth of all things defoe as well and for this one we were joined by the delightful alice boyd leslie of the drunken horror podcast um who very very kindly joined us to talk about tomorrow you're gone and as I think this is going to be something we'll recounter with the way we've planned the seasons, not one that I'd heard of before. Um, I don't know if it was ever on your radar. Never. Never on my radar. I I, I thought it was a typo when I first saw the, tomorrow you're gone. It's a, it's a, it's a full sentence. It's not a film title. I was like, it doesn't seem like a real thing. <laughs> so, no. yeah, I was, I was a bit baffled. and But we really got into it on this episode. We really found found out it, it turns out that we may have to both now read a book depending uh d- based on this episode so <laughs> yeah yeah quite frankly livid that i've been forced to read as a result of this podcast so i'm, I'm quite frankly willing to back it up two episodes in the dream's over <laughs> <laughs> the dream is absolutely done but i think it's fair to say that we all have some thoughts about this film you know i think there was a bit of a worry that we, we will get some films and as we say uh you know we're going to cover the highs and the lows of willem dafoe um this you'll find out pretty quickly what we thought about this one and this is one of those where it didn't feel like much happened but even in that lack of happening there was a lot of thoughts that we had trying to wrap our heads around this one um confusing in parts if nothing else <laughs> there were thoughts there were feelings there were a lot of like quick rich schemes going on in this episode i think me and daryl have figured out how we're gonna get a massive listener base through a couple of harebrained schemes so you must be sure to let us know on all the socials so that is at defoe pod on instagram and twitter or just drop us an email if, if you are if you're a swifty you'll understand what i mean very soon email us at defoe pod at gmail.com but yeah we get into a lot of fun stuff in this one right daryl it's just well you know it i feel and i don't want to you know blow my own horn too soon in the grand scheme of this podcast but i suspect that hardly anyone has seen this film and that our discussion might be a bit more entertaining i'm gonna put it out there i'm gonna make a bold claim uh right now and we we cover a lot of ground we try to decipher some codes we try to enlist some money-making schemes and we'll also talk about how maybe the film has won uh in this one as well so you know we'll you'll get into all of it and once you've listened to the episode 
Beard Friend, head to the socials, give us a like, give us a follow, give us a retweet, and wherever you're listening on your social platform of choice, give us a little five star as well if you like what we're doing here. Uh, that would be absolutely wonderful of you. But with that said, I think it's time to get into the episode. So we'll see you on the other side. But this is uh this is tomorrow you're gone, and we hope you bloody enjoy it. Getting to know you, getting to know all about Willem. Getting to like you by watching all your films. So this week we turn our attention to the 2012 crime thriller Tomorrow You're Gone. Defoe plays the Buddha who helps guide his protege on a path of vengeance after he is released from prison. Now, helping us get to know Willem Dafoe a little better this week and see if this movie will be staying with us tomorrow or should just be gone today is host of the Drunken Horror Podcast, Alice Boyd-Leslie. Alice, thank you so much for joining us. How the devil are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thank you. I've got myself a lovely tequila and I'm ready to chat about this film. (laughs) If we can call it that. (laughs) Notable notable pause between this and film, which (laughs) I think is... uh, reading between the lines might be summarizing some of our feelings on this one early (laughs) oh boy oh boy i feel like i should have brought something a little bit stronger in um in in the spirit of your podcast just a water for me because i'm an absolute i've I've been a chump in one watching this film i think i would have been better off just winging it and not watching it (laughs) but we will absolutely get into all of that um at the start of all of our episodes especially new guests to this um defoe based journey what we call our defoe commotion train um as we welcome new guests on at each stop choo choo baby um we have to ask um alice how well do you know willem defoe um, we want to get into your Defoe history. Uh, what has been your views on him? How many have you seen? Do you recall what your first Defoe film was? Um, oh, my first Defoe film, I think, and it's probably going to be a similar answer to quite a few people. It was probably mm. Spider-Man, I think, oh, yeah. looking back yes. at it. It was a kind of, I couldn't remember if it was Spider-Man or Platoon, because I remember having to watch Platoon at school. So I was just trying to like figure out the timelines, but most likely Spider-Man, I think. And I reckon I've seen, I was counting them up as well. If we're counting all Spider-Man films as individual films, <laughs> then it's probably mm-hmm. about eight Defoe films I think I've seen. Not bad. So... No, I guess not too bad. There's so many of the classics that I haven't seen, much of the newer ones I haven't seen. Like I haven't seen The Lighthouse yet. That's one that's like on my list forever, it feels like. Yeah, I think I've I think I've got seen seen quite a few. I quite like him as an actor. I always enjoy his movies, apart from this one. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it usually like he's one of those ones you see any Wes Anderson film, it's like, oh yeah. Yeah. Well I'm defusing that. Like, it kind of racks up the numbers pretty quickly. Yeah, there's probably been a bunch of Wes Anderson movies that I've seen that I've just missed him off off of the list. (laughs) Just did a quick scan through IMDb, like, oh yeah, I've seen that one, I've seen that one, I've seen that one. (laughs) Amazing. I mean, I think me me and Petros have probably been saying this in a few episodes. We suspect Spider-Man and Platoon are going to be some frequent first-time Defoe films. It's going to age people, right? That's going to age people. And like weed out who the liars are as well people are like well actually yeah, I, I saw the I, I saw the last temptation of christ like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Your high. <laughs> sure you did 
I th- you know, I'm going to put out a big claim early. If anyone's first Defoe film was not Spider-Man or Platoon, they're a liar, and I'm going to stop the episode five minutes in. <laughs> I don't know. I reckon if we get an older guest, that, that might it might be something like City on Fire or something yeah. like in LA. Yeah. I, I, all right, I won't. I won't be ageist this season. <laughs> but season two, um, you know, all the uh, all bets are off. Yeah. <laughs> we find that Defoe's someone that people seem to like, but not sort of know much about um is there anything about Defoe that you find is like a standout aspect of his um his acting his character his um his general being that you enjoy as well I think that he's got quite a sexy voice and that always like intrigues me about him I like yeah so I think that like it made me quite interested in him when I was younger (laughs) with Spider-Man and I was like oh I don't know how I feel about this like old man like he's got his voice (laughs) is doing things and I don't really understand (laughs) but I think that like yeah he's got he's got such a wide range of movies and I think that like even in this movie I think that he did the best that he could um which is (laughs) the nicest thing you could probably say um so I think that he is more often than not always a kind of a standout I think yeah I never feel like he to me anyway it feels like he's a little bit kind of like overlooked with like in the greats kind of like category mm. but I think he deserves to kind of be up there a little bit more and have like a little bit more kind of recognition for for his work Antichrist is a movie that he scared me and disturbed me so much I never want to watch it ever again I saw it once and I'm like no <laughs> I'm not doing that ever it's again. Penis, doesn't it? That scared you. That was it. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he might have a sexy voice, but he doesn't have a sexy penis. So. Wow, wow. <laughs> Fun fact about that film: uh, apparently, that is not actually his. That's a stunt cock, and they uh, the reason they didn't use Defoe's penis is Lars von Trier said it is uh, confusingly large. Confusingly uh, large. Yeah. Confusingly large. I think is the, yes. the exact quote. So, yeah, gravel voice. Know. And a baby's arm holding an apple dangling between his legs. What a what a guy. <laughs> I don't know if that like makes like Lars von Trier like that question is about his manhood at all. Because he's like, oh, that's confusingly large. <laughs> like this is this just actually got quite a small cock. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's far too big. <laughs> Yeah. Let's, we, make, uh, let, let's not make people feel uncomfortable about them <laughs> yeah. Yeah. we are the only podcast brave enough to ask the Defoe cock question on a regular basis um, and I suspect I think we're going to try and bring it up at least once per episode Oh, that, that 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 is that is the sole reason I'm here, right? That is, uh, I'm the wild I'm the wild second man who at any given opportunity and uh, so, yeah, any film I don't like, I will just use it as a platform to talk about his cock <laughs> <laughs> and run any chances we have to interview the man into the ground and be like, yeah, let, me, let me listen to that podcast. Ah, they're talking about my cock again. <laughs> I think, is it possible that you can make a, like a Defoe's cock jingle? Um, like Defoe's cock, Defoe's cock. Did you yeah, know yeah. that he's got, he's got a stunt cock, Defoe's cock? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think that's very doable. I think you'll hear that right now. (laughs) Editor. Best actor. He's a top contender. Doing yoga so he's always trim and slender. We must remember. Always remember. Willow, 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 Willem's member. 
Defoe's dead. Juicy epic. We're gonna chat about it for a little, little bit. Defoe's dead. Don't go near. Confusingly long set by Lars Von Trier. Defoe's dead. So, cock aside, um, other <laughs> other facts that we want to get into, and this is the portion of the episode where we hand over to Petros for Tomorrow You're Gone's De Facts and De Figures. Right, so I've got some, I've got some uh, baffling facts and de figures for you right here. This film is directed by David Jacobson, written by Matthew F. Jones, based on his own novel, which is titled Boot Tracks. The film stars Stephen Dorff, Michelle Monaghan, Tara Buck, and our Buddha boy himself, Willem Dafoe. The film was released on the 1st of November 2012 at the Savannah Film and Video Festival before getting a home release on the 14th of May 2013. The budget for this movie is $3.5 million. And the box office return is anyone's guess, because I'm pretty sure this was a straight-to-video <laughs> release. That's like premiere at the Film and Video Festival. The IMDb for this film is currently at 3.6 out of 10, and if you ask me, that's a bit too high. The Rotten Tomatoes is 7% off of 15 reviews. The audience score is 5% off of over 100 reviews, and the critic consensus Oh, I don't think I could find uh, a critic consensus for this. So I went for um, just a review. Just like a snapshot of review. It says, the makers of Tomorrow You're Gone were definitely going for something specific with this film. The question is, why? (laughs) (laughs) The first of those sighting we get is at one minute and six seconds in a voice-only capacity. And then we get him at nine minutes and 30 seconds as he is a blurry apparition, or actually there, we don't fucking know. And his first line is, My dear Charlie, when you get out of here, you're filled free as a bird. There's not much a man could want. Fuck all. Who could disagree? And that is the de facts and the figures. Amazing. Well, in this movie, we have a good old Stephen Dorff plays Charlie Rankin, a release ex-con who must repay his debt to the mysterious benefactor who saved his life on the inside, known only as the Buddha. Now, Alice, we always ask, um, have you seen this one before, or did you agree to watch this out of kindness um, <laughs> when coming on to the to the pod today? Agreed out of kindness, definitely. <laughs> yeah. um, Yay for honesty. Yeah. <laughs> um, I hadn't even heard of this film before, and some ways i wish that it stayed that way but also i'm really happy that i'm here with you guys so <laughs> it's going to be a confusing Yay. relationship i'll have with this movie <laughs> definitely well obviously we'll we'll get more into our thoughts about this 90 minutes of film that was made obviously by the time you know the credits were rolling and i suppose even at the start of it what were your sort of first impressions about what about what was going on in this this I mean, I I felt very stressed from the start because the music that was playing over the credits was just, I don't know if I was just in a certain mood where audio was really affecting me or not, but I was like, this, this is 
already too much for me. I can't, I can't handle this. Um, so it didn't really set me up anywhere near the kind of the top of the roller coaster at all. It kind of, I kind of felt like this is just going to be a flat little ride the whole way around. <laughs> yeah, so it was yeah. stress from the from the open, really. So that song we get over the opening credits is "I Hear Voices" by Screaming Jay Hawkins, who many people will be uh, aware of for his like version of. I put a spell on you. And like, oh. it just like the fact that this film is large in part, I can say this quite early, right? Is it, it's, it's left up to you. Is everything that happened all in Charlie's head or is it actually happening? That feels a very on the nose needle drop for your opening credits, which I found oh, they look so cheap. And it was just like, it, it's kind of like, oh, do you know what film I really like? I really like Lost Highway. Let's kind of rip that off. But like, can you make it on uh, Windows Movie Maker, please? And it's like, <laughs> yep, I'll lock it up in 20 minutes for you. Yeah, an interesting. I mean, my first note, um, and, and this is, and I appreciate this is going to be sound like I'm just being a bit snobbish here. And I get that. But as soon as like the credits opened and it said RLJ Entertainment, my notes were, oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the end of the 90 minutes, I think I was perfectly justified in saying that. <laughs> it's definitely an opening. Charlie's in prison, and then he has to decipher a note, which basically says that he needs to go and kill someone. Um, he works out this code based on, I don't know what criteria. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, he just works it out. Yeah, it was confusing because some, some of the words are a little bit kind of misprinted. So I was like, oh, maybe like it's because, oh, if, if that one's missing part of the Y, then, you know, that's that's how he's figuring it out. But then there were some that were kind of fully printed words. So I, I don't know. I kind of, I initially thought, well, maybe he's just really clever and he can just figure this out. I'm too stupid to understand what this note means. Yeah. But that didn't really kind of come to fruition, really, whether he is really good at like code breaking. Yeah, one of the lines that's underlined is the fuck. And when he was re like, when you hear Willem Dafoe do the voiceover of that, I did think like that fuck sounds really out of place. Like it doesn't even flow as like a sentence. So I was like, is there like what came first? The, the message that he needed to write and then... Do you know what I mean? He fit it around it. I don't know. Like, there's so many, there's so much cooler ways to show, like, a kind of someone deciphering a code as well. I, I often think about the one in Con Air. Sorry, I always think about it. Evidently not. It, it <laughs> my mind for a second. But when it's like you lay over a picture, like, in that case, it's all of the eyes cut out of the Last Supper picture. And when they're laid over the, the note, they match up to the words that need mm -hmm. to be read. That's fucking cool, right? That that's visually exciting. That shows us how people decipher something. There's some forethought gone into it. There's some kind of I don't know, unwritten code, as it were. But this is just like, well, there's just a secret message. He knows. We we don't know. We're just trying to be mysterious. Oh, yeah, definitely. Man. Trying to trying to be cooler than what it what it actually is. Um and yeah, failing miserably, or the not even taking any kind of like influence, it seems, from any other movie that has ever deciphered a code. <laughs> I think trying to be cooler than what it is and failing miserably sums up the next 90 minutes yeah. <laughs> of this film as well. But like, 
I think like my in my brain, like I was trying to sort of, you know, jump like a step ahead and try and work out what this code was. And then because like, like you said, Pedro, the letter itself is kind of a bit like, I don't know if it's the best written thing in the world. But then he describes that guy as a fuck. And I'm like, I don't think we've described anyone as a fuck for about 10 years. That makes sense in 2012. But then I was like, is he telling him to kill the fuck or to fuck a guy? <laughs> I was like, when you get out of here, I need you to go fuck a man. And like, Stephen Dorff's like, yeah. which is absolutely fine. And Stephen Dorff's like, okay, we're busy. Cool, cool. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Surely, let's go do this. Guy, prison's the best place for it. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Plenty I mean, of offer, <laughs> I would assume. <laughs> like, I've seen TV shows about prison. I know how things go on, apparently. It seemed like he was solo bunking, though. So, and with the whole thing about, you know, what's real and what isn't real, did he send the letter to himself? Is kind of what I was thinking. Oh, I don't think that thought even crossed my mind, really. Um, but I, I, I can totally see that, like, like the director will be like, oh, no, actually, like it was actually meant to be himself all along. And you're like, oh, OK, great. <laughs> like, why yeah. does he just wake up and it be a dream? Like, it might as well be. <laughs> yeah, well, like this film pulls into the question, like, is like who who actually exists? Like, you like just like the fact of any time Willem Dafoe physically turns up in this film, it's like, how did he get? there like why yeah. is he there and then like michelle monaghan's character it's like okay like is she, is she supposed to be playing patricia arquette from like true romance it's like just like i don't know what is going on here like why why is she so interested in this guy she's met on the bus Do you know what yeah, I mean? like, yeah. It's bizarre yeah, I kind of thought that there would be some kind of link between the Buddha and the, um, I've forgotten the woman's name, but oh, her. <laughs> yeah, Florence. There we go. Yes, thank you. Um, I, like maybe they, maybe they knew each other somehow or there's going to be something that will connect them. But no, they just kind of like, yeah, she just seems to be there, but just really into him for some reason. And I didn't really... I just I just found her very confusing. I was like, who is this person? She seems mental. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> I think the word I've got to describe her is uh, vivacious, I think, putting it lightly. Because as soon as she's introduced on the bus, followed by every subsequent scene that she's in, from what I've seen to narrow her dialogue down to is that she will say to Charlie, your soul is in pain. Can I suck your dick? That's about all she says for about 90 minutes. And then I was kind of like, okay, um, is, there, is, is there anything else that this film would like you to add? Um, are you real? I don't know where I stand on any of this. Because I will admit, like, at this at this point in, in, in the episode of this podcast as well, that I kind of glossed over on this film a few times. Um, I'm, I'm not afraid to admit that. There was, um, I got to about, like, an hour in this movie, sort of had to pause it to go and do, like, other bits and pieces. And I came back about uh, half an hour, 45 minutes later to carry on with the film. And then I sat down and I was like, I couldn't tell you what the fuck has happened for the first hour of this film. <laughs> I, I was looking at my notes and I was like, nothing's happened. <laughs> yeah. Nothing I, has happened. I could feel the film leaving my brain as I was watching it. Like, oh, God. Like, I was yeah. like, like, just like grasping at, 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 at the memories of it to be like, oh, shit, I've got to talk about this on the podcast tomorrow. Like, but yeah, as, as I was watching it, it was like literally one one eye out of the brain in a minute. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, that's it's exactly the same for for me as well. I kind of I stuck it on last night, and my partner was kind of playing Zelda on the Switch, just from kind of watching it. But he was also like, "What the fuck is going on with this film?" Like, because I said to him, yeah. like, "It's gonna be like this is gonna be a bad film." Like. Just so you know, like I've heard it's going to be bad. And I think he thought it would be like so bad that it's good. Those kind of movies where like, oh, it's pretty bad, but like it's an enjoyable ride. And he was just like, it's not, it's not even it's not even that. You can't even say like it was shit, but it's good fun. Like it's it's just got nothing about it. And yeah, I like I don't know really what it was about. I tried to look on Wikipedia to be like, or oh, maybe I can read up the plot on Wikipedia that doesn't even exist. So even like the editors of Wikipedia <laughs> don't know what this movie's about, which is, I think it's a good feat to have. Like, <laughs> like yeah. This is where we come to shine, Daryl. We, we need to, this is something maybe we can start doing on the pod. Any film that's kind of got a, uh, got a, a low presence on Wikipedia, we can go in, we can write out what the summation of the plot is and we can be like, uh, notable f- reception we could be like and it was covered on episode two <laughs> of the getting the value podcast and trying to try to draw some fans in that way listeners there you go <laughs> i reckon in, in a new section we'll call to filling in the blanks um <laughs> for, our, for our mid-season episodes as you just watch us laboriously type up plots to wikipedia yeah. on wikipedia join us join us weekly on switch as <laughs> edit wikipedia yeah. we promise it will be much more exciting than this movie is <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's it maybe maybe that's uh that's the money-making scheme on the side getting the prime subs we'll be saying like oh thank you to foe fan 23 for the prime sub with your message this sucks you suck Thanks, uh, thanks, for, thanks for subscribing. Really appreciate it. I'm currently looking on Letterbox to see how many people have watched this film. 281 people. That's generous. I'm pretty sure 281 people is the total sum of the people who've seen this film. <laughs> I think it's nerds who are on Letterbox. I imagine that most of them have got a list that says like complete Defoe or like the big watch hyphen Defoe and it will be that it will be it'll be it'll be the completionists who have watched this uh like ourselves the the mentally unwell because yeah I I I don't know like I don't I'm, I'm gonna put this out to the floor who is this film for um we've got a silent cinema yeah, 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 yeah. I need to stay in because, like, who who knows really? Like, I I don't think that anyone can find any of these characters relatable. If they do, then that it's a bit of a problem on them, I think. But like, I none of no one was likable. No one was relatable, and like, you don't know what the story's about. Like, even it's not even like like trying to be clever in a kind of sense where like Mulholland Drive leaves you a little bit confused and questioning things and questioning reality like the main character's reality like Mm -hmm. this is just like it just feels like it could be like a throwaway excuse to be like it was in his head the whole time like yeah I just I don't think it's for anyone this film (laughs) (laughs) yeah I I mean it's you know obviously very telling that we have all having all watched this film separately in our own like separate parts of the country and that we've all come here today and said we have no idea what actually happened in this film. I think tomorrow you're gone referencing my mental capacity for this movie. <laughs> you're just, just trying to like cling on to like something about the characters, but they're all very 
they're all just so one note. I mean, I know when we're talking about Florence, obviously she appears on the bus. Uh, they're comparing boots, and then they go back to Florence's apartment where she very quickly persuades him to watch uh, a pornographic film that she was in for no real reason. My only note before that is that um, Charlie was eating this slice of pizza, and it looked like the worst slice of pizza I've ever seen. <laughs> it looked like a raw slab of meat, which is what i felt like i was being force fed whilst watching this as well so you know that that's how particular my notes have to be because i'm like i have to, there must be something that i can latch on to so maybe the start of the film did happen and then he just ate a raw slab of meat because he's an idiot and then the rest of the film was just um you know a rotten meat nightmare uh, any thoughts on the meat theory? Sure, yeah. Let's let's go with that. The meat theory. <laughs> I reckon the boots have something to do with it, considering the original type of boot track. So, like, it's the boots that draw them together. Maybe there's something in that. But one thing I found w- when watching this is, you know, like in a lot of films, like the dialogue will be really quiet. So you're like, shit, I've got to turn the TV up. Watching it quite late because I started watching this quite late in the evening, and my son was in the room next to me, and I was like turn it up because like there's a lot of dialogue going on but then what i found is did you ever get this that like the action scenes are always louder and you're like oh no it's it's too loud now i had that exact problem watching this film but it's when the porno came on and i'm like (laughs) terrified that i'm gonna wake up my four-year-old to the sounds of "Ah, ah, ah," like scrambling (laughs) i don't want to i don't i don't don't want a kind of bewildered four-year-old walking into my room and having discuss like what are these two nuns do and i couldn't even be like oh, well it's in this film and it's trying to explain this because i'd have nothing to say to him I, mean, I, I might as well at that point him just walking in on me with my pants around my ankles with a carrot up my arse. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it would be an easier explanation as well <laughs> Your dad's a freak. I, guess the same. I guess they're the same that, that that that's applicable for what i was doing your dad's a freak and he has to watch these films to find some serotonin by talking on podcasts son yeah i do like the sound mixing is awful in this film and like as oh, someone yeah. who i've gotten really used to having subtitles on now because my partner is partially deaf so like I've had just nine years of getting used to having subtitles and you obviously can't get subtitles for this movie because what poor soul is going to have to sit through this movie and figure out what they're all trying to say. But it was really difficult because I had to really concentrate on like trying to understand what they're saying, but also not really being able to hear it properly, even with it all like turned up all the way I was like I don't even really understand what you're saying like and if you are it's nothingness like it's just again like trying to be edgy cool like drama GCSE writing like yeah it was it was difficult in that regard as well like I hate movies that do that where they're the sound mixing is just all over the place. The action, the action sequences, the porn sequences are really loud, and the and the uh, the talking is uh, is incredibly quiet, especially when there's no subtitles as well. Yeah, so, I mean, I imagine the conversation, Petros, for, for if your son had unfortunately walked in at that time, like, Daddy, why are those women sinning? <laughs> he's a strict, he's a strict Christian boy. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's all about the sins. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a very Christian neighborhood um, to watch to watch these these movies but with i mean it's kind of just i don't know just the whole i don't know how long how long how long into the film that we were at this point maybe 20 minutes or so because he's 
obviously he's been tasked by the Buddha to do this thing and go kill the fuck. And even then, it's unless I miss something because the sound mixing is bad or because I was having a brain bleed at the time, I'm still not entirely clear as to why Charlie had to go and kill that guy. Um, again, I'm, I'm fully willing to say maybe I did miss something because I was so bored. But he, he goes into the house. Um, he, well, he, he's got he's somehow got a key from what may or may not be the Buddha. Willem Dafoe sometimes appears in this weird psychological haze to make you think, oh, what's going on here? And then he gets a key. Just that weird, there's that weird scene as well. This fucking film making me flip all, all over the place with no coherence. But he's he's in the hotel bathtub and he gets the key from the Buddha. And then he like imagines beating the shit out of this guy next door. And then he didn't do it, but he's got a key. And I'm just like, I wish the drywall he punched was my face. <laughs> <laughs> Does am I making sense to anyone likes to kill me? I think, I think the, the way that that scene goes is he has that hallucination. He has that kind of yeah that mental breakdown in the bath, and then he kind of snaps out of it. And like when he realizes just in the bath, and that's when like we, that's when we get Defoe for the first time on the screen, right? And he's mm-hmm. he's just there, just watching a man in the bath. Like it's not addressed. Like it's the you know I mean, there's no no modesty from Stephen Dorff. And they're like, hey Buddha, like I know I know I know, I know we bunk together in Sing Sing, but like come on, man's trying to have his first bath out out, out of the big house. Here. None of that. It's just kind of and I have no kind of. <sighs> I can't remember a single thing that Willem Dafoe says apart from the thing that I've read out because I've got it written down. <laughs> he, uh, there is one uh, kind of one notable line that he has late. No, two actually notable lines that I made a note of. And it was kind of like, you can sort of tell the writer thought these were maybe trying to be a bit cleverer than what they were. There's one where Charlie and him are having like a conversation outside of the motel. Like I think he's just lost the duffel bag of cash, but then he's got it back because the ghost of Defoe or real Defoe or this Charlie hallucinating might have pushed a man down some stairs. You don't know. But he says, um, you know what they say? The eyes are the window to the soul. You gotta learn how to draw your curtains. Boo! Yeah. Boo! Yeah. <laughs> and then there's one towards the end where they have that um, that confrontation where Rankin's gone back to the house he goes into from earlier, and he says, uh, "Compassion paves the way to the gas chamber." Boo! <laughs> what does any of it mean? I open to the floor. Um. Uh, I mean, they're like twisting those sounds. Really, just. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah twisted fortune cookies you know what I mean like just kind of I don't know you can yeah ch- <laughs> and, and, and another thing for the for the socials how about we start doing uh quotes from the, the films Daryl over sunsets you know like those kind of like we can have that the compassion paves the way to the gas chamber over a sunset <laughs> yes wonderful <laughs> yes please that would be so good <laughs> I mean, again, it just highlights how bad the the writing is. One being a confusing plot line. It would be interesting to kind of read the book to kind of be like, is it does the book make sense, or is he could he just not kind of? Is it such a confusing story that he really struggled to like put it into a screenplay, or is it just a bad book as well? Like, 
<laughs> don't alice because i i i think i'm gonna now have to read this book aren't i <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hope it's a short story that they've dragged out made to like drag up to an hour and a half movie because boy this movie did not feel like an hour and a half like it felt a lot longer i was like i think it's the longest hour and a half i've ever i've ever witnessed i think oh god and i i watched this through you know hashtag not an ad through amazon prime because it was free on there with adverts yeah and i think one of the things that summed up how i was feeling at the time um and sort of bringing us to sort of like one of the next scene this is when Rankin is snuck into the house and after he sort of you know killed that old guy he then chases um the lady up the stairs now at this point my amazon prime cut to an advert for neurofen and i was like <laughs> oh my god it knows <laughs> I was like, this is incredible. Well, you you know, had, film- sorry, no, I had some of the the most mental adverts like on because I also watched it on uh, on Amazon Prime, the kind of the free advert version, and I had this like mental Shreddies advert, which was like this guy's face like on loads of random things, and he was singing a song, and I was like, oh, this is too much for right now, and like, I don't know what's going on. And then it was like, oh, go to. Disneyland Florida and then it was an advert for a Gillette shaver but the guy was shaving his balls no yeah I was like the manscaped baby hashtag not an ad <laughs> yeah I was like I don't understand what like this who who they think is watching this film because <laughs> it's like <laughs> you want shreddies <laughs> You want to go to Disneyland? Do you want to shave your balls? I'm like, who is this person? Like, <laughs> <laughs> they think I am. <laughs> you, th- you think I'm going to meet Mickey Mouse with hairy balls? You're <laughs> yeah. out of your damn mind. Exactly. He knows. Yeah. And we all know that we all know that breakfast the most important meal of the day. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know you're in for a bad time of a film when the adverts are more exciting than the film you're watching. I know. Look how much much we've all pepped up as well. We've all pepped up for the adverts. (laughs) (laughs) Capitalism, baby! Yeah! (laughs) Yes! Oh, dear. The way way my rotting mind works as well is that I'm imagining Mickey Mouse with a Gillette razor now in the bathroom, uh, and I've walked in and he says, you like what you see? Um, <laughs> that's where my mind's gone. Oh, Would you like a bowl of shreddies? Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, there, smooth, smooth balls and shreddies. Oh. <laughs> I feel, I feel like maybe I'm ranking in like just a weed haze watching that Florence porno film. Now I was like, this is where am I? Help, get me out of this nightmare. Yeah. Oh God. Florence also has a confusing line like later on in the movie when they're in the car together and she's like stroking his chest and she says something i can't remember the exact quote but it's something like oh i bet you were a smooth baby or like your skin is smooth i don't know there was something about like smooth skin and reminding her of a baby and i'm like this is weird (laughs) yeah that that instantly i was thinking like has taylor swift watched this film (laughs) like do you mean like that's where she got anti-hero like it's anti-hero like her interpretation of of this film, like Jimmy, Carly is an only hero, baby. Jimmy, like, and yeah, and then she's got that line, isn't she? Sometimes I I think that everybody is a sexy baby. Yeah, and uh, yeah, maybe that's what Swifties come at, come at me. That, 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 this film is is the touchstone. You need to watch this if you're a true Swiftie. Yeah, you'll find all of Petrus's individual social media information in the show description. Leave me alone. <laughs> I don't. I don't need that heat. 
Thank you very much. I'm telling you, this is the background. Do you want to know the whole story? Go on, boycott Jake Gyllenhaal movies and watch Tomorrow You're Gone if you really want to understand the Swift. That's what I'm saying. If you've got the stones, if you Swifties have got the stones, you'll watch this movie. <laughs> yeah. If you're real fans, you will watch Tomorrow You're Gone and then listen to this episode. <laughs> yes. And then we'll have the Swifties on our side. It's all coming together. Yeah, Wikipedia and the Swifties. That's how we win. <laughs> that's, that's how I win, baby. <laughs> <laughs> this is how we win. Yeah, so going back to that scene where he, he breaks in and sort of shoots the old man. Did, 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 I, did either of yourself sort of pick up like why he killed this guy? Because all I sort of noticed is like, you've had to shoot this old guy about four times at close range. You couldn't get the job done, you loser. So then you've had to beat him down. Yeah, yeah. that was one just, of my notes as well. Just being like, why is he so bad at shooting like a guy on the floor? Like, <laughs> like yeah. I feel like I mean I've never done it, but it feels like that's <laughs> probably one of the easiest situations to shoot someone. Is oh, he's already never, on the floor? You've never done it, and it shows. It <laughs> yeah. really shows that you've never killed a man, Alice. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think if you're doing a revenge film. Like I know, I know in certain films, like it's exciting, right? When like I think a drive, when like you think like the film is about a heist, and then the heist happens, then it goes, it goes, it takes a left turn. We have that big mm-hmm. burst of violence. In this, it was like oh, I thought we we're going to build up to like the big job, and there's going to be like stumbling blocks in the way. Once he killed that motherfucker, I was like, wh- wh- where do we go now? Why? Yeah. Why are we going anywhere else? Like, where is this going? Like, I don't, I don't, I, I don't want to know. No, well, this, well, that is the thing, though, because he he does the thing he's been told to do, and then it kind of leaves that ambiguity of if he um, if he killed the woman in the house as well, and then it's just kind of like a lot of I don't know, just meandering about while they just discuss the philosophy of Charlie's soul as Florence just continues to just assault him basically he buys a car for reasons because he has that cash there's that bit where florence like pretends to be bitten by something and then they finally um kiss in the back of that that's cadillac or something i don't i don't really know but this sort of like wealth of like i assume the buddhas comes into play a few th- at times because he, he opens a duffel bag that he gets from like a locker and someone tries to steal it then and nothing really happens with that and then he buys a car and he's sort of hiding it and keeping it like safe. And then there's that bit where he returns to the motel and he finds like his hotel room has been all turned upside down. And there's two people, or one or two people that come in after it as well. Because all I could sort of tell from the cash is that like the Buddha was like, oh, this is like your gift. Once you kill this guy, you can do whatever you want. And then he's going on saying like, well, I'm going to eat fancy because that's what the Buddha does. I'm going to eat shrimp. And he just describes like crustaceans for a few minutes could anyone find any more like significance into the like the cash um because it kind of just seemed to be like a very very loose tame plot point just to do stuff i mean no (laughs) (laughs) it feels like i i feel it's it's difficult because it feels like we should have more kind of answers than just don't know no really reason really but like um it doesn't really feel like there is any other reasons i can think of rather than just like it just happens doesn't it like it's just a thing that happens i've got the i've got the synopsis for the book here do you think maybe if i read it it might give us some more insight into the film what do you reckon daryl 
Oh, go for it. Sign up to size away. Okay. Charlie Rankin has recently been released from prison, but prison has not released his grip on him. He owes his life to the Buddha, who has given him one last job to do on the outside. He must kill a man. A man who has done him no harm. A man he has never met. Along the road to his brutal, uh, to his brutal encounter, Rankin meets Florence who may be an angel in disguise or simply a lonely ex-porn star seeking salvation. Together, they careen towards their fate, taking the reader along the ride. Boot, tra- Boot Tracks is a commanding tale of a man and a woman struggling against a destiny they cannot control, told in Matthew F. Jones's characteristically taught economic style. An assassin nation gone terribly wrong a couple seeking for one last chance to find a safe place in a hostile world with elements of jones's uh, with elements jones weaves a harrowing tale of suspense violence and compassion do we get do we get any of that do we get suspense violence and compassion no <laughs> we don't but like that but the book makes it sound really interesting like if i was to pick up in waterstones i'd be like oh okay kind of interested in that um but it feels like it's a completely different thing to the movie like apart from the names <laughs> like... this is making me think at this point but maybe the the maybe the movie was just so intentionally confusing and you know not good that it's worked as this kind of like reverse psychological advertisement for the book and I know, Alice, I think twice now you've brought up the book, and I think it's working, and this is how Jones wins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe that was his plan all along, was to get more book sales. Like, I'm just going to make a really bad film so that people would be like, surely the book can't be as bad as this. I'm going to buy the book, and yeah. the book is actually amazing, maybe. Yeah, the target audience is the, uh, the disgruntled reader of the movie adaptation. Yeah, the 201 people who watched um, the movie on Letterboxd uh, <laughs> have all bought the book now, just to see. <laughs> I want to go through those reviews and see how many people do say that the book is better. Um, I don't think anyone's read the book. I reckon those like, those those guys, those losers on Letterboxd, and I count myself in them. I'm a loser on Letterboxd, but it's got like it's got a three point eight out of five. The book on Amazon out of five. I thought you, I thought you were going to say on Letterboxd, and I was about to chin you. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I was about to chin you. But to be fair, I did have a little look through uh, the Letterboxd reviews, and there were there were a, a surprisingly large number of people that were giving it kind of three three and a half stars. So that's a interesting <laughs> that's interesting I, assuming that we're all letterbox users here i'm going to make a broad assumption and obviously i don't want to jump ahead to our final thoughts we'll keep those compact just for now but as but as a tidbit may i ask the floor uh with yourself first alice how what what was your letterboxed on this what was your star rating uh half a star okay <laughs> petros uh just because i don't do halves one i was also half a star <laughs> no no i brought it to one I was going to do it half. I gave it one on the basis of Defoe. Okay. I gave it a half a Defoe, half a De Star. Yeah. <laughs> just to be, just to be generous. So that's what's, what's the average on that? One, a three quarters of a star. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's democracy in action, right there. All right. Shall I read out? Shall I read out a three-star review of this film to see where we've got it wrong? Go on, say, we, and we won't name names. We, you know, we won't. We won't sort of snipe at people. But. No, of course not. But if you're if you're listening, 
<laughs> yeah, you, you know who you are. You know what you've done. Okay, so this year's a free star, as I said. Kind of a depressing movie of a good cast. Acting is top-notch, but the story drags a bit. Very dark. Reminded me of a combination of Drive, Leaving Las Vegas, and the first half of A Place Beyond the Pines. It reminded me of true... It reminded me slightly of true romance. It, like, this is me talking now, not the review. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, like, it, it, it did the cardinal sin for me in films, where it's like, it reminds you of something, you'd be like, oh, I could be spending my time watching that film, not <laughs> <Yeah>. watching this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, it's always, a, always a shame, isn't it? Always a shame when you just want to watch other things and you don't enjoy something that you are obligated to watch off because you do a stupid stupid podcast <laughs> yeah 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 i mean it's a it's what we got to do sometimes i don't think that we've quite watched anything like so awful just yet um but i'm sure the time will come as it always does yeah. <laughs> we, we just didn't think it would be now on the podcast at this point in season one we just didn't think it would be now so, so the average rating on letterbox is 2.1 generous yeah that's because that's because that's because those that's because those freaks giving it three and three and a half stars what are you <laughs> yeah <doing> guys <laughs> jesus jesus i mean i suppose speaking of freaks i go i guess going back to ranking as well um because i mean you know we've we've talked about what he does in the film but well some discredit to steven dorf because his character in this is so one note um which is just kind of this um just this like southern scowl that he does this one phase he has throughout the entire film where all he really says is you know he defends the ability of his own penis to florence he wears some suspenders i thought that was quite interesting that was you know considered in the half the initial half star i was like oh suspenders you know fancy double denim and suspenders <laughs> you're 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 a brave man i don't know what you're in prison for but it wasn't fashion crimes <laughs> it's, what what do we sort of think of steven dorf's performance obviously he's he's the one who's sort of carrying this movie could, do we think it could have been saved with a stronger performance i mean alice were you enthralled by the dwarf man did you endorse the dwarf <laughs> um i didn't endorse the dwarf really at all and like i think the probably could have been saved a little bit with a with another actor i don't know who but it's difficult when the writing is so bad isn't it for like there's it has to take a very special actor to kind of make a movie feel interesting and kind of redeem itself from the kind of terrible writing um and i mm -hmm. think that's quite hard to come by so it's difficult when you've been handed a, a shit script um but yeah he is very one-dimensional and like I kind of said previously, not relatable in any way, doesn't even make you want to like him or have any feelings towards him, really. It just feels like I'm just watching this person do stuff and I don't really know what he's doing. It's fine. <laughs> Definitely no endorphins from the door from me. No, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 like, no. Which is no. Really, really, like, such a shame to see that, like, two years previous, He's in like one of my personal favorite Sofia Coppola films somewhere. And it's like, what a fall from grace. Like, what an absolute fall from grace from Stephen Dorff. Because, and I, I think some of it, he's got like him and 
uh, Michelle Monaghan are, are culpable in the crimes of this film. Because I'm not sure if you saw this. They're both co-producers on this film. So they would have had some swing. Do you know what I mean? They would have had some... In, in, in a producing capacity, you have some say to... In, in the, Tom Cruise is a prime example. He produces a lot of his films, but basically gives him carte blanche to be like a backseat director in certain mm. capacities. So if they've got these credits, surely they could have said, what the fuck are, you, what, what the fuck are we doing, David? Like, <laughs> yeah. David Jacobson is the director. Or like, do you know what I mean? Uh, is is, is, is Ma- Matthew F. Jones over there? Like, bring him over. What the fuck is this script? Like, What is going on here? Yeah. <laughs> Who is my character? Like, who are we supposed to be? What am I meant to be feeling in yeah, every just, single scene? Like, yeah, maybe they just wanted a bit of money. Maybe it was a quick cash grab for them both. And it's that, it's that, there's that element of it where it's like, I do not care about the plight of this man. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you sure don't, you, he's sure. not portrayed to be like, he doesn't really seem conflicted about the fact that he has to kill someone like reading that book synopsis it's like it wasn't really that much of a deal made about the fact that like he's doing this almost against his will do you know what i mean like this is someone he's got to repay this debt it's just kind of like oh this is what i'd do like we see his his visions of what he would want to be doing is stoving someone's head in anyway so it's like (laughs) this isn't out of the realms of believability that this man is unhinged and would yeah. just, just do this sure. anyway. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Where is the conflict within this character? I think the only moment of suspense I felt in this film is when he has um, a shower still in jeans and boots. And what, like, so some of the suspense was, oh, it's going to take ages to take those jeans off. <laughs> and, and we get that, like, kind of creepy silhouette of Florence up against the frosted glass as well. And I was like, I think I was suspenseful for a sex scene. I was like, I oh, know I'm gonna have to, gonna have to turn the telly down again. Like, I wasn't <laughs> yeah. gonna wake up my son. Like, and then I thought, what, the, <laughs> what the fuck was that scene? Like, it just kind of, uh, what was going on? I don't, I just don't know. <laughs> That's the thing. There's so many of those scenes where it feels like they would have had a kind of a better message, or kind of you'd understand a bit more of the meaning behind it if it was better written or maybe even if it had like better actors different actors and i'm not saying better actors they are good actors in their own rights but like in this particular movie yeah because it just ends up being like okay so that that happens and why it don't doesn't matter like i've even kind of i've even forgotten about that shower scene as well that's how like memorable it was i was like oh i feel like i should remember a man showering in jeans but i know (laughs) (laughs) I know that's this is part of the difficulty. I was looking through my notes before we started recording, and I was like, "When I hit record in this episode, I hope these notes make sense." But obviously, a lot of it just doesn't. Like, there's there's a scene towards the end, which is um, well, a few scenes that kind of get the weirdness of like what is going on with his character. Because I think there's one or two little bits where I, I don't know if he's having like these out of body experiences, but like he he sees himself like across the bar, I think, and he sees himself in a phone booth. I think when he's driving past. Then he kind of like, I was like, oh, has this all already happened to him? Is he, has he just lost all his bloody marbles? And then they go back to the house and then Florence is in that, in, in a wig and looks like the, the woman who he's bound and gagged and didn't kill as we found out. And then he's like, why did you wear the wig? And then they have sex in the back of the car. 
but I'm not convinced that Florence exists, so I have to believe that he just made love to his Cadillac. <laughs> that would have been a great cutaway, just just Stephen Dorff wanking in the back of a Cadillac. <laughs> yeah. or, or, or putting his dick in a couple of seat cushions. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I think I think there's going to be like a, a cut of this where someone's walking past and he's full hog and balls in the exhaust pipe. Yeah. That's the only way that makes sense for me. <laughs> that, that would have been the most sensible thing about this film. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it happens in the book. <laughs> God damn it. And now I have to read the book yeah. for the car fucking scene. It's like, like you, you just see this Cadillac just like suspension bouncing up and down and then you go... Like, what, what's going on with that car? And you walk past and fucking naked Stephen Dorff is doing the worm in the back of the car. <laughs> I, I'm, like, all right. I'm like, okay, this doesn't make any sense. What? And then he well, then he goes into the house and it, and it seemed like they were trying to maybe get at something more with his character because he um, he unties the, the, the woman that he's bound. Obviously, she thinks he's like a police or doctor or something. But then she's like, she asks him about the scars on his hand, and I was like, oh, is this going to be some kind of, oh, are we building to the point where we're getting some kind of reveal, which I was like, at this point, any kind of reveal is going to be a bit bullshit, but is, is it going to be one of those, while it makes sense in the world of the film kind of reveals, but then they do, like, nothing with it, mm-hmm. and he kind of runs off, and then the Buddha appears again. What he gets, like, they have, like, this kind of, fight like again i don't know if this is real the, the the film doesn't really sort of even try and push you one way or the other that i found but with this fight all the end where Rankin apparently gets shot a few times and then the buddha just gets stabbed by this point my i guess what i'm trying to ask is by this point by the end of the film where all this is happening and then he's stumbling back to the car alice did you care is oh, what I'm asking. No, not at all. I think I was knew it was coming up to the hour and a half mark, and I was like, oh, any moment now, any <laughs> moment now, it's going to tell me that it's over, and I will be relieved. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't kind of shocked or upset or didn't have any emotions about Charlie dying um, at the end. I was just like, great, done. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now I can't wait to bitch about this movie for, <laughs> for a little yeah. bit. <laughs> he he died and then you stood out of your seat, fist pumped the air and cheered. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had my breakfast club moment um, and it was great. <laughs> <laughs> well, a breakfast club asks us very specifically not to forget, which is what we've all done. Yeah. We've, we've not heeded... <laughs> We've not heeded the message of the club, no. <laughs> quite frankly. Although I, I think unintentionally one of the funniest things I found about the end is that he stumbles out of the house, sort of silhouetted into the trees, then he falls in front of the car. And there's that weird sort of upside-down angle, which I think you'll get in Charlie's perspective as Florence leans out of the car and just very nonchalantly goes, what happened? And then he died, and I, I think I just audibly said, lol. <laughs> 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 I mean, I've, I mean, I don't even know. I mean, but the Petros did the ending make any kind of sense for you? Because I think we're two for two, myself and us, we were sort of done by this point. So you 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 would remember, Daryl, on last week's episode, I had to I had to watch multiple scenes of Heaven's Gate multiple times to 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 see if Defoe was actually in them. Mm-hmm. And uh, this, I had to rewatch the end of this film six times because Christ. i couldn't i couldn't my what i couldn't 
like hold my concentration whatsoever <laughs> i just found myself like just i just I couldn't help myself picking up my phone or just like do you know i mean desperately scrambling for answers on the internet <laughs> interviews with the director the I found a guy called David Jacobson, but he's, a, he's he's an art critic from San Francisco. I don't think it's the same guy. I found a scientist who's called David Jacobson. I don't think it's the right guy. Um, I, I couldn't find anything. And when it got to that point, like Alice, it's kind of like I've got the sweet release of my life again. I'm yeah. not kind of beholden to this film, which I felt like a, I felt like a hostage. I felt like that woman. Do you know what I mean? Tied up. <laughs> like, throughout the runtime of this film. Like, well, oh, when God. is Stephen Dorff going to come and cut me loose and let me go? <laughs> <laughs> I would have, genuinely, I would have taken, I would have taken the Buddha way out. I, I would have taken Stephen Dorff just gutting me like a fish. <laughs> I kind of didn't, I just it's like, what, what is the point? Like, what is the point of this? And, like I've said before, like I didn't care about the characters to begin with. So why am I going to care when the character dies at the end? Like, yeah. And yeah. I didn't care about Florence because, yeah, the film makes you feel like, does she even exist? Like, it's just kind of like, I was like, uh, the only question, the big question I had was, how many days do you reckon Willem Dafoe was on set for this movie? Yeah. <laughs> I would love to know that. I have to say probably two hours he was there, did his scenes, went off, yeah. <laughs> got the free yeah. lunch and then uh, went a on day, right? Yeah, yeah, a day, yeah. A day tops, I reckon. Like, Definitely. And I don't reckon he did more than one take. No. Like, he's like, man, this is what no. you're you get, you get a one take and, you know, and we're done. Yeah, yeah. He, he he turned up, he delivered his line, and he said, fucker, you better be rolling that camera. <laughs> yeah. and he, he got... <laughs> He got out. I mean, I, th I think, you know, by, by the time it comes to the end of the film, I think the note at the start makes a lot more sense to me. When it says, kill the fuck, I think we're the fuck. Yeah. I, think the view I think the viewer is the fuck. Yeah, it's way more meta than we were ever thinking. Like, <laughs> God, I'm going to have to buy the book. I'm going to have to buy the book now. I'm livid. I'm livid that, uh, that Matthew F. Jones won. There you go. It's uh, Goodreads. We'll do a review on Goodreads and we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll be like, oh. And the film adaptation of this was covered on Getting to Foyer, which you can find on all good podcasts. But this is how we win, baby. We got it. We got we got the Swifties, we got Wikipedia, and we got a good read in our pocket. So we're, we're fucking on top, baby. Yeah, with a, with a, with a Logan Roy of podcasting. Oh. Do you, can, yeah. Anyone want to guess how much you buy this for on DVD? You can own this. You can own this. Uh, Oh, I know what's going to be in your Christmas stockings, guys. <laughs> it was that or coal. It's going to be like £15, which to me feels ridiculous, but that feels like kind of the standard amount. Or is it actually like a more forgivable thing, like 50p? Like, you know, okay. It's, it's <laughs> £7.48 for the, for, the, for the DVD. Daryl, do you want to have a guess how much it is to own this? on high definition of blu-ray the fact that he even made it to blu-ray is a fucking disgrace i am gonna hazard a guess that i think it's gonna be expensive i think it's gonna be way too much i'm gonna try and overestimate here and i'm gonna say ooh, 30 no the, the the year of my birth baby 19 pound and 91 pence 
rounded up to five or down to zero, not the one. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's that's a very weird me. amount. Yeah. <laughs> that's really triggered me. I don't like that at all. <laughs> wow. God. That is that is a lot, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's region that. that might that might be. <laughs> Oh, well, in, as long as it's, I don't know. Does it have, does it have, dare I, I don't think it will. Does it have any like special features that justify the price as well outside of shipping? Or is it one of those barren, barren Blu-rays? Is it too much to ask for like a director's commentary or? A... <laughs> it would help, wouldn't it? It would help. Yeah. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't say. See, it's when we start getting on Amazon, like letterboxed, We've got some. We, uh, I I kept I kept calling people losers, but obviously I I, I love my letterbox people. Uh, but the <laughs> you want to know where the real freaks hang out? <laughs> it's Amazon reviews, baby. Oh, Let me read yes. you an Amazon five Please star do. review. Five Ooh. star. Let's go. Oh, the, 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 this is a letdown. Now, sorry. It just says another good one is from a. A verified purchase, and this one makes no sense. This is from uh, a guy called Jocko. I'm gonna, I'm gonna name and shame you because uh, for the little bit I watched of this movie, it's not worth the price of the film. Uh, it was put on another piece of garbage. I do not recommend this film, not even to my worst enemy. Then why are you rating it five stars, Jocko? Come on, mate, <laughs> play the game, play the game. God, the the, the the five star bad review. Like, what are you rating it on? Like delivery time? Yeah, I think he's just he's just somebody who's seeking validation from the internet, and he's like, well, nobody's given this. Like, do you know what I mean? Give, give it a five. Give it a five star. More people will probably see it. It might the algorithm might push it to the top. That's and, and do you know what? We fall. I've fallen into his trap. Bloody <laughs> hell! Oh no! <laughs> what he always we've, wanted we've all been played in different ways on this episode yeah <laughs> um and i'm quite frankly very upset about it um i came in on my high horse but ended under its hoofs <laughs> i think on that uh and that trampling that this will be the point where we start wrapping up on this episode of tomorrow you're gone and of course we've got a few bits of willem de business to get to as well one of the questions we always ask is, does he do deface? Do we get a distinct Willem Dafoe face in this film? Alice, were there any defaces that uh, that you could remember um, based <laughs> on the haze that is this is this movie? I mean, I I don't think he. I mean, it's because when he is there, it's all quite blurry. So. You never really get to see the face, really, at any point. Or it's shot from a really low angle and he's kind of looking down. So I don't think we're even really treated to that, unless it was a moment when I was looking at my phone. Wow, so <laughs> so <laughs> hold my hands up. Yes, I was yeah. watching, I was on my phone quite a bit during this film. So unless I missed something there, but I don't think we were even treated to that, no. No, no. I think we we were all doing a bit of Twitter scrolling on this one. I yeah. think it's fair to say, Petros, any defaces from yourself? Um, No, I don't even think we get a good death face. Do we? we don't even see the face when he gets stabbed. We just kind of, it's, it's all from charlie's perspective do you know what I mean? we get charlie's face as he stabs him 
wouldn't be surprised me if that was a body double when he stabs him. <laughs> yeah. Defoe, Defoe, Defoe was already hitting the road onto the next project. You know yeah. I mean? he's, like, he's like, Abel Ferrara has given me a call. He's shooting a film in uh, Hungary for, for for four weeks. Like, let's let's go, baby. No, we don't even like. He looks more expressive on the poster for this film. Yeah, than he does in the actual film. For sure. Yeah, I think definitely know the face from me, um, which could have bumped it to a 1.5. But, you know, we give the ratings that we give. But speaking of ratings, the most important rating that we give on any episode of Getting Defoe You, uh, we don't just simply give this a thumbs up or a thumbs down here. We rate this in classic Willem style. Uh, So, Alice, we ask you first, as the guest of this episode, tomorrow you're gone. Do you rate this Defriend or Defoe? Defoe. Is that surprising? <laughs> there was a pause there where I thought I know. you were just going to... I was thinking maybe it'll be really funny and say, Defriend, but no. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that is is expected. I think the Defoe is expected. Petros, I'm not anticipating to be too surprised by your answer here, but same question, Defriend or Defoe? Oh, it's a big, steamy disgusting Defoe from me. First one of the season, baby. First one of the podcast. Getting it out nice and early. Nice little Defoe for you. Honoured to be part of that. (laughs) (laughs) History made in one way or another. You know, we will take the wins wherever we can find them. Um, And to continue that trend of making history, for me as well, it's a three for three. It's a big old Defoe from your boy. I say it's one of the... I think it goes without saying it is one of the most bafflingly forgettable films that I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I can't, I don't, if I didn't have any notes written down, I wouldn't be able to offer anything about this film. The only thing I remember is how it made me feel, and it was just enraged. <laughs> but, but certainly with... um. That said, with the Defoe business settled, I said, like, uh, Alice, any final thoughts you wish to sort of share on uh, Tomorrow You're Gone? Don't watch this movie. Certainly don't pay for Blu-ray. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> and I, I, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't even recommend if you've got Prime sticking through the adverts and watching it. If you really, really love Willem Defoe and you want to see everything he's ever made, then that this is when you would watch this film but don't if you don't have to um or do and listen to this episode um but <laughs> i think that would be the only reason to <laughs> well you know do listen to the episode because that would be very nice yeah. um uh, petros any final thoughts on this one as well no the most exciting thing i've i've learned from this film is that the director david jacobson in uh, 2004 directed a film called Dharma about Jeffrey Dharma, which stars Jeremy Renner as Jeffrey Dharma. Uh, and Jesus. For, 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 for you lovely listeners out there and, and you two on this call right now, that film is also available on Amazon for free, baby. Oh, so yes. you know how I'm spending my evening after this podcast. So, <laughs> Let's see. Can the earlier works of David Jacobson is, is is this a kind of late career lull, or is this is is, is this what it's always been? But I'm, I'm 
I'm going to be damned to find out, and I'm certainly going to be reading that book. So, yeah. <laughs> so who 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 has won here? I think it is David Jacobson and Matthew F. Jones. They've yeah. They've, yeah. Truly, yeah, they 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 they've truly won here. But yeah, no no kind of final thoughts really on the film. I don't know, just Defoe. What were you What were you doing? You're better than this. That's just kind of well. Well, this is the thing, you know, as we said from the outset in the intro episode, we're going to cover the highs and the lows. And today we experience our first Defoe. And knowing that the director, you know, did like that sort of documentary on Dharma, you know, I have to consider that a personal attack as someone who, in the tail end of 2022, since that fucking Netflix show came out, as strangers in the street asking me if I was Jeremy Dharma, this film is a personal attack on me. Um <laughs> So I am, if I wasn't livid before. But on that um, murderous bombshell, it is time to wrap up business here on Tomorrow You're Gone. It is left for us to say, Alice Boyd, Leslie, thank you so much for um, coming and joining us today, talking all about this one. Uh, We've had a very wonderful time having you with us on the pod today. Uh, And for the listeners, uh, where can we find you on the socials, the interwebs and all that good business as well? Well, thank you for having me on. It's been it's been a pleasure to talk about this movie. You can find me on Twitter at a Boyd Leslie. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Drunken Horror. We do a very similar kind of format as you do. We chat about horror movies, but we also kind of get drunk as we do it. So come and listen and hang out with us. It's really good fun. Yeah, that's where you can catch me. Amazing. All the links will be in the description down below. And as we set sail to Ventures New next week, we'll wrap up business here uh, by saying, well, I've been Daryl. I've been Petros. I've been Alice. And we've been getting to for you. <laughs> And that was tomorrow. You are gone, or you're gone, if you you know want to abbreviate it. Whatever, do what you want. I don't care. Um, but you know how we made it through. We made it through. Um, We're on the other side. We're on the other side. We made it through as well. Making history. Our first foe of the season. Exciting from a high yeah. to low. I had a friend. Yeah, I hope, like going into Heaven's Gate, I thought we might have been like Defoe you Defoe out of the. Do you know what I mean? We would have been thrown a Defoe on day one, but no, it had to be a film that about fourteen people have seen that got us to that. <laughs> it's good to go to a, a, a the lowest of low Defoes, right? <laughs> we're limboing with Defoe on this one. I mean, <laughs> how, how Defoe can you go? <laughs> how, low, how low can you Defoe? <laughs> yeah. Never let it be said that we are not immediately willing to humble ourselves on this podcast with um you know something very good and then something not so very good as well, well. yeah there's there's leaves on the track of, of the defoe motion train right but we, we, we we're gonna we're gonna hopefully clear them clear them away as we kind of move to the next station for, <laughs> for next week well, <laughs> sometimes as soon as you've started the train has to stop for maintenance you know this is this, this is engineering 101 people you've got to make sure that your op- your operation is in good nick yeah when we're living in britain and anything can kind of happen do you know what i mean hot weather it's, the tracks are too hot cold weather the tracks are too cold there's a there's a cow in the vicinity of the tracks we cannot we cannot operate uh, <laughs> it's you know 
What what a time to be alive is what we're saying here. What a magnificent time to be alive. But obviously, with all that said, uh, thank you, our dear friends, for listening to the podcast. It is wonderful to have you on board at this early stage. Uh, again, as we said at the top of the show as well, if you enjoy what we're doing, uh, be a the friend. Check us out on the socials. Uh, Petros, would you be so kind as to remind our listeners of the socials and also if i can ask a tiny favor more of you uh give us a little reveal of next week's episode and guest as well oh yeah of course you can find us on twitter and instagram at defoe pod or if you'd like a little bit a little bit of long form if you've kind of developed a crush on this at this early stage on on daryl or myself you can drop us an email and kind of write us a, a, a love letter. Write us hate hate mail if you are if you are uh, David Jacobson or Matthew F Jones, and you want to kind of bring us to task. We're ready for you. Let let's go toe to the foe. Do you know what I mean? And in, in, in this uh, in in a debate, and uh, yeah, that is defoeupod at gmail dot com to to drop us an email. And as for next week on the podcast, we're heading to LA, baby. We're, we're, we're the Heady Heights 80s cinema with 1985s. To live and die in LA. To live and die in LA. I can get oh, away. I'm, oh, I cannot wait for you to hear next week's episode. Uh, it's all to come here on Getting the Foe You as ever. And we're joined on that episode as well by uh another daryl mm-hmm. which i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna a little peek behind the curtain here made it very hard for me to decipher who i was talking to on the record so uh there's uh, there's double daryl for you next week as we are joined by the always lovely daryl bear from both the sudden double deep podcast and is paul dano okay fellow filmography detectives and fine ones at that yeah wonderful guest this week wonderful guest next week uh it is a banger of an episode coming up for you and we can't wait to head back to la in 1985 but again thank you for listening we'll see you next week to cover all the highs all the lows all the things Willem Dafoe and as ever we have, we we should we should hasten to add as well thank you to Matt for editing the episodes he makes us sound coherent and like we know what we're doing Matt you are the backbone of this situation of this podcast and without you we are just uh, two silly geese in respective rooms across the country sweating for no reason uh, but we will see you next week but until then until then, ta-ta for now. Getting to know you, getting to know all about Willem. Getting to like you by watching all your films. Getting to know you, we'll start with Heaven's Gate. And we'll watch them all. Till the present day